Good afternoon, LinkedIn. This is Recruiting is No Joke, episode 54. I'm your host, Joel Algy. Great to be here with you guys. As always, you know the drill. If you're out there, say hi, say what's up. Let me know if you're an internal recruiter, agency recruiter, um, and where you're from in the world as well. But drop by, say hi. Chris, good to see you. If you guys don't follow uh, Chris on LinkedIn or TikTok, you need to go follow uh, Chris. Um, good to see you, Chris. We could do a boxing match anytime. Uh, super excited for today's episode. As you can see by the intro, I say we're live every Wednesday. I'm going to need to update that because I'm now going live uh, Monday afternoons and Wednesday afternoons uh, at 2 p.m. Central. Uh, and then as a reminder, if you miss any of these episodes, you can go to my LinkedIn page. You can see any of the past episodes that we've had. Um, and you can also go to Spotify and iTunes. I will be uploading those uh, soon. I want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, MetaView. Guys, I get so many people asking me, like, what AI tools are you using? How are you using AI? Um, and MetaView is a great way to use AI. If you're still wasting time typing notes, you guys have got to try it, MetaView. Uh, I've been using it in the last couple of weeks uh, for some of the calls I've been having. And um, you got to try it out for yourself. I, I honestly don't believe you will know how great it is to not to take notes until you don't have to take notes. Uh, so go try MetaView. And if you are interested in that, just go to the link in the post and you can get to it. So uh, thank you to MetaView. You make this show possible. Um, so guys, definitely go try that out. But without further ado, I'm going to invite our two guests. And we got two guests today. So a little bit different in our usual format. So hopefully the screen works. There we go. Michael, Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, this is the uh, Impact Networking recruitment team, well, some of their recruitment team, um, and uh, so great to have you guys on. So, Michael, why don't you introduce yourself first, and then we'll we'll go to Joe, and then we'll get into today's conversation. Sir, yeah, my name is Michael Borland. Um, Impact Networking, uh, been with with Impact for about three years now. This past October, um, actually first um, role in recruiting when I came on Impact. So nice, never looked back. <laughs> How how uh, how's the how would you describe your first three years in recruitment then? If you were to sum it up into like two words, man, yeah, it, I would say um, fun and a challenge. All right, I like it. That sounds that sounds good. Joe, good to have you here, man. Why don't you give us a quick introduction and on uh, who you are? Yeah, I appreciate it, Joel, and thanks for having us both on here. I'm going to start off right with my two words because, like <laughs> Michael, this is my first – joining Impact was my first time in a recruiting role, and that was shortly after the pandemic, and we know how the world has been since then. So my two words, always changing, and yeah, that's obviously something we've all lived through. My name's Joe Skursky. I'm a senior talent specialist with us at Impact. Uh, focused largely on our technical divisions. So you think IT development, cybersecurity, but I have dabbled in the other areas of our business as well. So gotten a chance to play around in the different markets as far as uh, industries and whatnot. And again, always changing with what we're working on and with what that means from a, from a candidate pool standpoint. Yeah, I love that. And, and guys, if you uh, aren't familiar with Impact Network, you guys are, are based in, uh, well, you just, kind of right by where I'm at, right, in um, northern Illinois. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, one of the things that we talked about before um, getting on the show, we're talking about candidate experience and 
guys, I know if you've checked out any of the shows in the past, Canada experience has been coming up more and more and more because I think right now we're facing a lot more applicants. There's, a, there's just more people on the market. Um, so, Joe, I'm, I'm curious from your standpoint, what are, what are some of the things that you guys are doing uh, to really keep that candidate experience uh, at a high level? Because um, you get so many complaints nowadays. I'm curious, like, how are you guys dealing with increased applicant flow um, and just, you know, a lot of the challenges that, that other recruiters are, are kind of facing right now? That's a, a great way to start because even that, like you've kind of alluded to, has changed a lot. Like applicants now are flowing in maybe a lot more than they were as recent as two years ago when, you know, everyone we were coming in contact with were people we were reaching out to on LinkedIn. So managing applicant flow is a very, a very real thing. And then obviously you're fighting like the recruiting stereotypes. Like if you ever do a Google search of like, you know, why are recruiters so, and it'll be fill in the blank. Why are you know, recruiters so mean, why are they so evasive or elusive, whatever it might be. So breaking and challenging the norms is a big thing for us and keeping candidate experience top of mind. So Michael and I were, you know, internal recruiters, we're corporate recruiters for impact in our channel partner, Dot Security. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break to mention my sponsor, MetaView. MetaView is the AI assistant for interviewing. It completely removes the need for recruiters to take notes during interviews because their AI is designed to take world-class interview notes for you. The result? You're safe from the drudgery of note-taking and can instead spend time on what actually matters, being present, curious, and engaging with candidates, then making high-quality decisions based on insight, not memory. also means your organization has 10 times better data about every candidate you speak to because you're no longer relying on people to remember everything that was discussed and submit accurate notes. Unlike humans, MetaView never gets tired. It doesn't forget anything and it structures the notes perfectly. Recruiters at companies like Brex, Robinhood, and Cura describe MetaView as a game changer for their efficiency and ability to have high quality interactions with candidates. MetaView lets them focus on the conversation rather than on taking notes. See the magic for yourself for free on your first five interviews. Head over to www.metaview.ai backslash no joke to get started. And for us, from a can experience standpoint, something we've been doing for a few years to really highlight that effort is we send out surveys to all applicants, all candidates that make it, they've talked to us. Like there's more than submitted a application. So Maybe they screened with us and we passed. Maybe they screened with us. They were set up for an interview and they withdrew. Or they, of course, the hoped result is that they become a full-time employee with us. No matter what, we send them a survey accordingly. So accepted offer, candidate withdraw, or candidate rejected so that we can continue to gauge like, what are we doing right? What could we be doing better? And overall, just have a really active feel on the pulse on how we're doing from a candidate experience standpoint. Because... We're, we're obviously, again, recruiting for roles that we may recruit for, again, in a short period of time, or it could be something very similar that people you've talked to could fit. So for us, it's always keeping the door open. It's always about building bridges, never slamming the door shut on anyone, because it's, it's a tough market, especially in the technology space that we work within. So that's just one of the small things we can do. We want people to remember working with impact as a candidate. We want them to remember a good experience. And that's that's one of the small steps that we take there. 
Yeah, I love that. Michael, what, how, I guess, you know, when you're getting the scores back, I mean, how, how do you guys use that, you know, to kind of coach people on candidate experience? I mean, how, like, let's say yeah. you get, you get a bad score or a low score. Um, how, you know, how, how do you go about dealing with that and kind of using that and coaching the team? Yeah, good question. I think it's all about transparency. Uh, I think going back to what kind of what Joe mentioned, just kind of like going back and eliminating the the stereotypes of recruiters is, you know, getting the, is being transparent is providing that feedback. And when you go fill out a survey, it's going to ask you, what was your experience with the recruiter? What was your experience with the hiring manager? And so whether it was us as recruiters or with the, with the higher managers, it's just being transparent, giving, uh, you know, the initial feedback to the recruiter and to the sales manager, like, Hey, um, this person had an interview with, with you. Um, they brought this up and just wanted to kind of, know um, forward it to you for your visual purposes so then in the future like that situation won't happen again or like they they that candidate really enjoyed that part of the interview keep it keep it going right so it's all about transparency and providing just like you know real life feedback to whether it's the recruiter or the the sales manager and then giving that feedback right back um to whoever that feedback is for do you do you ever find you know particularly with like newer hiring managers are they ever surprised that you guys do these surveys? Um, I, I think they would be, you know, I think you know, <laughs> it's not a common thing. Not, not all companies do that. I'm pretty sure we're in the vast minority yeah. for just doing something as simple as sending out the surveys, but it can be a good tool for them to be aware. Like, you know, this, this matters, like what impression you leave on candidates, whether you like them or not, that affects us as a company in terms of how we're being viewed that affects us as recruiters. If they have a great experience with you, but then they, they feel like the hiring manager like blew them off or wasn't paying attention. Like that's, that's important stuff that we take very seriously. So we will share with them positive or negative, like what that is. And I think really good hiring managers when they, when they just get into that sort of job, they're going to lean on their recruiting team as the experts in, well, recruiting and what they should do there. So really good ones typically will will lean on our advice. And that's that's something you can always see on how much pride people take in that sort of thing as far as what experience that you're leaving. How much do you think, you know, just having that type of accountability impacts like how fast the process goes or just um, even even time to fill, you know, do you have kind of data around, you know, higher experience scores more uh you know more more of like a placement acceptance like do you guys have data around that as well do you mean like per individual manager or yeah i mean i guess across across the company but then yeah, yeah. are you like able to score like each manager okay hey you know we, we're seeing higher scores over here and we're seeing more acceptances mm. we're seeing lower scores over here um, that's a great question and and i i and to, then to follow up from that curious like what are some of the biggest kind of just ongoing kind of things that you see um, candidates, I don't say complaining about, but like just, you know, maybe, maybe not feeling like, Hey, things, things went that well in, in right. this area. Like do you see kind of like reoccurring trends with that. I would say even just from like a surface level, that's something you can usually tell. And I'm sure, you know, this too, Joel and Michael, like some managers definitely just have a better track record. Like they work more with you on what they're looking for and you know what the best process should be. And they're, you know, they're filling their roles in a timely manner with really quality people. And when there's ones that are maybe a little bit more difficult, maybe they're a little bit more picky, 
it can help you as a recruiter too. And just better identifying like, all right, what is the right mesh with this person? Like maybe they don't want someone super, super bubbly. That's like, you know, all over the place. Maybe they have a different type of uh, traits that they look for. And just in terms of a person beyond like, you know, on paper qualifications. So part of it is, you know, learning like what everyone individually wants, but you definitely know like what, what managers have a track record of liking certain things versus others. So that's something to always be aware of is, you know, again, you want the good mutual fit. Like you want it to be something that lasts, not just for now, but hopefully long-term as well. So it is something we're definitely aware of as far as like, you know, the time to fill associated with different positions and different managers as our goal as a company is having an average time to fill under 30 days, which is an aggressive goal, but one that ever since we started tracking it, that we have been, you know, keeping in line with. And part of that always is again, you know, meeting directly with those managers when something gets that 30 day mark, like, all right, what are we seeing? What do you want to see differently? Like, what can we do to make this better? And it's a two way street in that conversation. So that would be my thoughts there. Michael, do you have anything to add there? Yeah, it's all about setting that standard with the with the sales manager, you know, like really, like I said, going back to that feedback and letting them know like, hey, you know, this is the reason why uh, this person, you know, filled out this survey this way because, you know, they didn't like what you did or maybe like what Joe said, oh, maybe you weren't paying attention. In the interview. So it's just setting that standard to like, hey, you know, all sales managers, all leadership, whoever pushed it first round interview to. It's like, hey, let's treat everybody like they're going to get the job. And if, if you treat everybody like that, then everybody tends to have a better experience rather than favoring a rock star as a candidate compared to somebody maybe who's more entry level, you definitely want, you don't want to really, I guess, play, uh, show your cards, so to say, right? You definitely want to um, just make it seem like everybody's going to get the job. And if they don't, then provide that feedback on, on why they didn't get the job and be transparent. Because at the end of the day, it's all about word of mouth. Sometimes these people know other great salespeople, right? And they go, you know, they're speaking with one of their former colleagues and they're, they're rock stars. They're like, hey, I interviewed with Impact. I didn't get the role, but the interview process, it was, it was a good process. Everybody, you know, I enjoyed speaking with and uh, so on and so forth. But on the opposite end, they're like that impact networking. Yeah. You know, I interviewed with them. It was a terrible process and yeah. I would have recommended it. So it's all about word of mouth at the end of the day too, especially with, uh, you know, rock stars as far as for candidates. Yeah, no, I look, I, I think that the candidate experience right now, like I said before, it's, it's kind of at an all time low for most companies. Um, you know, you were saying like, you think you're in the minority of companies <laughs> sending out surveys. Uh, I, I don't really, I haven't had anyone else on the, <laughs> even this show that said, yeah, this is something that we're, that we're really in, involved in keeping accountability for. Um, so I love that. And, and I think obviously part of the challenges is like, if there's rejection in there and you're rejecting somebody, um, obviously that's, that's a painful thing, but I think, you know, being able to actually have accountability within the process is, is a, is a helpful thing. Curious, like, obviously you guys haven't, you know, been, you haven't been involved in recruiting other organizations, but you've obviously gone through probably interview processes, um, before why, I guess, what are your thoughts on like why most companies don't really kind of monitor candidate experience so that they, you know, why, why don't, why do you think other companies aren't? And then, almost as a follow-up to that, like what would be your pitch to get companies yeah, to question. do this more, um, you know? Yeah, I can take this first part. So I, before before Impact, I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car and I worked at Granger. So two, you know, Fortune 500 companies to where 
they're getting a lot of applicants. They don't really need to go out there and market themselves. People know who Granger is. People know who Enterprise Rent a Car is. So, you know, and the, the type of candidates that they go after too, as far as like, you know, college level people or so on and so forth. But like, they don't really have to, I get not really, I wouldn't want to say care, but it's not as important to them because they already a reputable company uh, that people already know about compared to impact networking to where we're small, medium sized business. So, you know, of course, you know, marketing is huge. Word of mouth is huge. So of course we have to care about these things a little bit more compared to the Fortune 500 uh, companies where they're getting thousands and thousands of applicants on a daily basis. So of course, maybe they don't have as much time to, to focus on that compared to us to where, we're doing everything that we can to attract all types of candidates. So it is a little bit more important for us when it comes to candidate spheres compared to Fortune 500 companies to where they don't really have to worry about that. Yeah, I think sense. that's a good point. I think that the certain types of companies that, like you said, don't feel like they have to. But if you're a small, medium-sized organization and you're kind of under the gun in some capacity when you need these positions filled, like that's not something easy you can skip over, you know, that you can just ignore. and even beyond like from a, a survey standpoint, like obviously it's just, the, it's all about communication. It's all about how, what level of care you give to any person who comes into, you know, comes into, uh, into facing or interfacing with your organization. Like you want to show a good face for, for your company. Cause even if they're not a candidate in the future, what if they're a customer in the future? Like, don't you always want to have that positive reputation in the market, especially in industries that are inc increasingly connected nowadays? I think it's even more important than ever to value the Canada experience because as we've seen with how the market has gone to where you know COVID hit, not a lot of places were hiring. So employers, they kind of had their pick of the litter shortly after it's the, you know, the great resignation. And all of a sudden it's like, why are no candidates getting back to us? Like, you know, why doesn't anyone want a job? Well, maybe you didn't, you're not easy to work with. Maybe you're not someone people enjoyed working with from a candidate standpoint. Cause I remember interview processes that I had that were, too long or i didn't hear back for like two weeks and i had to constantly check in like if you know what it's like to been in the to have been in those shoes then you know what are the basic things you can do like hey i don't have feedback for you quite yet i'm trying to get it i'll, I'll get you an update tomorrow like no news is yeah. better or just no update is better than no uh, excuse me i have that backwards an update for no news is better than no communication whatsoever so yeah. that's one of the things that I value there. But going back to why companies don't really don't really value it, I think Michael made a good point. But then for others that should value it, I think it's just not top of mind for them. I think they might see recruiting as overhead. And as talent becomes harder and harder to, to really find and it's a competitive landscape, I think that mindset will continue to, to shift. And it'll be the companies that are ahead of the game that are gonna be best positioned to, to dominate that while other companies are playing catch up. Yeah, I love that. What, what are some tips? I mean, you kind of mentioned that, that one, obviously giving updates uh, regularly, you know, if somebody doesn't have, um, you know, if you, if you don't have news or you haven't heard back, like just letting people know what's going on, right? Cause there's so much yep. anxiety there. Um, but I mean, what tips do you have for like managing that? Like from a process standpoint, uh, you know, I imagine you guys are working on a lot of recs. It's a lot of man. There's a lot to manage. The obvious argument for most recruiters would be, well, I have so much to do. Uh, I've got to focus on the things that, you know, are going to move me closer to, to filling these positions, you know, whether that's sourcing, like, how do you, how do you kind of map that out? Like any tips you have for, for teams on how they can just 
in a really quick way, just get organized to, to give better candidate feedback? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I think it's, I always personally look at it as it's an excuse to say like, I got too many recs, I got too many candidates to value each individual one, because then they're going to look at you the same way. They're going to be like, I'm in too many interview processes to, to value X, Y, or Z company. Like you're going to get what you give type of deal. So I think mm. that's very short-sighted to say, I don't have time right now, because that might hurt you on the back end. And ways to ways to combat that as far as like making it easier for you to know exactly what you're working on is obviously to just have good organizational skills to where you can map out in a visual manner what all you're working on, what stage they're in, any actions that you're waiting on, when the last time you communicated with them with or communicated with them is like that's all important stuff that's going to help you keep that positive cadence that you need. And for me, it's simple things as calendar reminders. Like if I've got someone I'm working with today that I want an update with, I don't know if I when I'm going to get it and I'm bouncing around different things, I'll put a 430 calendar hold saying, did I get updates on blank? And that way I know either I got it and I can communicate that or I can say, hey, hey, Joel, I got nothing for you here today, but I'm going to circle back with the manager tomorrow and I'll let you know when I can. So it's, you know, it, it's really just about, again, keeping that healthy communication. And if you can stay organized from a personal standpoint, it's a lot easier to manage than, than people think, because if you don't prioritize that again, like, why are they going to prioritize you? Yeah, I love that. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, just like how Joe said, some type of visualization that you can just kind of take a quick glance at it. Like, okay, this one needs to get done, or this is what um, already got done, right? So I think it's all about too is getting feedback right away. Now you, you can always push that, like, oh, I get feedback from the sales manager, you know, later down or later today. Why not get it like right when the interview is done and like right when it's fresh? And then if the sales manager, if they let you know, like, hey, I love they can let's push more forward to the second the second interview stage. If anything, that look, makes us look better because, hey, you know, Mr. Candidate, uh, sales manager got back with me right away and he loved you. And he wanted to move you forward to the interview process. If we, if there's people that, you know, they are rock stars and, you know, we're excited for, one of the things that people, like recruiters, uh, one of the stereotypes is like, you know, waiting like the next day to get something done, scheduled or whatnot. For us, hey, let's let's get it scheduled like right when they get done with the interview so it lets them know like we're excited about them. So I think it's just one of those things where, Rather than pushing it, like, you know, whatever task you have you know, later towards the day, get it done right away so you can ha give that candidate update that same day or even, like, first thing tomorrow morning. So it's all about just, I guess, at the end of it, it's, it's the speed of things. Are you, like, thinking the whole time, like, when you're working with candidates, too? Or, like, I mean, like, when you first started, like, were you just thinking, like, oh, my God, I got to get a really good survey here? Like, is that <laughs> in the back of your mind? Not actively. Not really. it is, like, it's something where if you get a shout out, you feel you really good. It? Yeah. Oh. Michael, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, if, it, with, if it's like, if it's normal to you, like, if it's just like with Joe and I, like, it just our personality just comes out natural. So we don't really. It's not really in the back of our head because it's not. It's something that we're like, oh, I really need a good survey because I didn't get a good survey last time. It's just one of those to where if you're always providing, you know, the great candidate experience, no matter who the candidate is, that's something you don't have to worry about in the back of your head as far as like somebody going in and providing a, you know, a bad survey. It's like, hey, I do this every single time with every single one of my candidates. If I do get a bad survey, then it must be a one off. But, but it's never really something I think about as far as like going into the next day. 
Right. Yeah. I think to build off that, the survey at the end of the day, it's a, you know, it's a means to an end. Like that's one tool to how you're going to really emphasize candidate experience. So it's not necessarily that I'm worried on what star out of five that they're going to give me at the end of the day. Like that's just a measuring stick on the back end, but it also is just another visual reminder and just constant, uh, constant factor that you're aware of towards that the end goal, which is providing again, that great candidate experience. Cause I can't even name how many people I've had who reached back out to me months or years later after we last spoke because they had a great conversation and they wanted to re-engage. Maybe they passed on us at the time and now it's a better fit. And when you have examples like those, it makes you really see all the groundwork that you laid in the past. So maybe early on in my tenure as a recruiter, it wasn't first of mind. Like, obviously you want to do a great job and you want to, to live up to the expectations of your team, your company, and even just your own personal. But it's once you see how that pays off, like later down the road, where you start to see how every interaction you make today matters. It might not matter for filling your rec right now, but it sure as will matter in the future if you're trying to refill that rec again in six months, a year, two years, or totally different rec altogether. Yeah, it's huge. And look, I think this is, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever check out like Recruiting Hell. I think that's what it is, Recruiting Hell on Reddit. Um, I mean, it's just filled with stories of all the negative things from recruiters. But I mean, even with what you're talking about, like these are basic things in my mind of like really putting yourself in the shoes of your candidate and going, okay, if I was in this situation, would I want to wait? Like, I just want to know the answer. So I'm I'm gonna kind of transition it too because we, you know, obviously talked a lot about candidate experience, which I which I love. But you know, you're obviously competing against a lot of big brands, right, for the talent that you're going after. So um, curious, like how, yeah, maybe these two things are correlated, but but just kind of curious how you guys, um, you know, really are are maybe not so much now because there's more candidates coming in, but you know, during a great resignation, I'm sure it was a lot. Uh, a lot more of a challenge to uh, attract top talent. So, what were some of the things that you were doing, and and how do you how do you beat how do you beat some of these bigger brands out? Um, you know, when it comes to you know winning talent, just super curious about that. Why don't we, Joe? Why don't we start? Well, what, Michael? Why don't we start with you, and then we'll go to Joe. Sure. Um, of course, like compensation is always going to be number one on everybody's list, right? And that's always going to be no challenge as far as like, you know, going after some particular candidates who have tons of years of experience. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's more than just compensation, right? It's like, what, what are some other things that candidates value when they're looking for their next company? Like one of the questions I always ask in all of my conversations, whether someone, somebody graduates from college or somebody who has 10 plus years of experience is a, what are you looking for in your next company? You know, I know compensation is important, but, you know, we've had plenty of conversations to where some people, you know, um, training developing is number one on the list, right? Maybe they got, lack, it was lacking at their previous role or PTO days, right? Or, or um, uh, culture, right? Work culture is always a, a big plus too. So it's just like, yeah, compensation is important, but like what else can impact offer that the candidate is looking for with their next employer outside of compensation and can we align with what they're looking for as well yeah i love yeah. that 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Like one, it's finding out what their motives are, what they're looking for. That's huge. Cause then you're going to actually dig a little bit deeper into finding out what they want. And again, like Michael said, like, do we provide that? Is that something we can meet that maybe Microsoft or CDW or Oracle can't? Like maybe they don't have the level of development or the level, level of training that maybe we do. So like finding that stuff out is definitely important. But then something else, something else as far as, especially like you mentioned, Joel, with the great resignation, like how are you going to stand out when someone's getting reached out to by 30 recruiters a day or 40 or whatever it might be? And they're just getting oogles of money thrown their way. I think at the end of the day, you can't lose sight of the fact that we're in a relationship business and people have to want to talk to you. Like if you are someone who people like to talk to, who are they more likely to talk to from a recruiter standpoint? Someone who is, you know, Michael, who's a very personable and seems to really care about his candidates, or are you going to reach out or are you going to connect back with recruiter X who sent you a very templated message is going to go through very robotic steps and then just move you along. At the end of the day, I find from my personal experience that I like I like to talk to the people that I like to talk with. Like at the end of the day, that's something people lose sight of with a lot. And that's that's something to keep in mind when dealing with talent, especially again in competitive marketplaces and competitive times in general, is if you position yourself as someone people are going to want to connect with because you do provide a good experience and you do personalize your conversations, they're not robotic, they're conversational. I think that helps yeah. you stand out at the end of the day. Like that is a big way for where you're a little bit different than maybe X, Y, and Z company that they talked to earlier in the day. How do you do? So kind of actionable I, action items here. Sure. Right? I, I like to give, give like a takeaway. How do you, words? <laughs> yeah. Look, what, what, what do you, I guess, what are your tips for like, you know, messaging or like, uh, you know, how do you keep those messages personal? Right. Cause you, you're supposed to, you got to still scale things, right? You right. can't just send out one message that's personalized. So what what are some of the ways that you're able to keep it conversational? And I'm always keeping in mind, you know, with, especially with like AI right now, just making it so easy to send so many messages. And even some of the, you know, some of the tools out there are, they're getting pretty decent at yep. making them personal. Um, so like, how do you keep it conversational? Like, how do you, how do you reach out to people? Like, do you have any kind of go-to strategies for, for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I agree. You want some action items too, and not just, you know, buzzwords, like be personal, be individual. <laughs> so the theoretic, theoretically, what do you want when you send a message? First thing you want is them to open that message. Second thing you want is them to respond. And then you're yep. hoping it's a yes and you can get on a call. So I think first and foremost, it's about you know, catching their attention, which oftentimes is the subject line. And if you subject it like an email, it's going to get deleted. So if you do different things, like you ask a question, you point out something on their profile that you liked, you're much more likely to get them to open that message. Then I think step two is about maximizing your real estate. Research shows us all the time that people will read like 50 words and then skim. So if you're wasting your first 50 words with, hello, my name is Joe Skirsky. I'm a senior talent specialist at Impact Networking LLC. You're gone. Their attention's gone. You've been deleted. And if you're lucky, they'll decline your message. You'll get a refund on your in-mail credit. But <laughs> you have to maximize your real estate. And my personal point of view is that in doing so, you should prove that you read their profile. That's the first thing you should do. You should be, hello, you know, Mr. Mrs. Candidate. I love your experience with this. I work with this team. We're hiring for this. Briefly, this is what they do. Let me know if you want to talk. Like, 
keeping it to you know 600 characters or less to where it's you're making it again easy to connect with you're making it easy for someone to be interested in talking to you if you ask them to jump through hoops like provide me a number provide me a resume provide me an email and three references or other people who might be interested like again that's just too much you can't be too extra when doing that first initial reach out because at the again at the end of the day your main goal is to get them to talk to you and then that's where you can get into that further stuff so I think again, to narrow it down, being simple with it and just being personal in how your language is and letting them know that you read their profile and that you're not just mass sending this to the world. On the flip side, how do you scale that? That's a great question too, because obviously you could take, you could take 10 minutes for every individual person and make a perfect message for them. But if you got 14, 15, 20 recs, that's hard to do. So I think if you build out a custom template to where you you know these are the bones you're going to need. This is your call to action. This is your greeting. And there's a few things you can fill in to you know really fit it to that candidate. I think that's an excellent step because then it just takes you an extra minute to review a profile and you're still sending them out fast and you get a higher quality and still a respectable quantity in terms of the responses that you're looking for. Yeah, it's solid. Michael, anything you would add on to that? Yeah, no, that's something that we've been doing uh, as a, a lot as of late or recently as far as like, you know, how do we make ourselves stand out differently is, and is personalizing your, 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 your messages. And another thing too, as far as like not just messages, but like during your guys, like during conversations or during phone screens, it's really reiterating what the candidate told you and re reiterating back to them throughout the conversation because that's really going to be like, hey, Michael's really – he was really listening to me. Like I, it was like a little blurb in the beginning of our conversation, but you know, he, he actually, you know, in, in the job description, he really, he related why this role is a good fit for me because I, this is what I told him in the beginning. So it's really like, just, I think that's what takes, makes it personally, as far as like just really listening. And of course the candidate has to impress the recruiter, but the recruiter has to impress the candidate too by listening and by reiterating all the feedback they give them or give us back to them. So it really shows them like, hey, Michael is really listening. He is really trying to make this conversation personally. I like this guy. So it's just something small like that that they can definitely go a long way for sure. Yeah. No, look, I, and again, look, it's like you said, right? It's like looking at the stereotypes of recruiters and then doing like – really the complete opposite of what most recruiters are doing. And uh, it's it's interesting with the personalization part because that is one of the big complaints people have when it comes to personalization is a lot of times recruiters are not looking at profiles. They're just looking at the title, the keywords, and then they're sending out, you know, a generic message. And maybe the, maybe the only kind of personalization is the name of the company and the position, right? Maybe those are the two things that they can personalize at scale. Um, but even just doing simple things like looking at the profile um, is huge. I think it all ties into that understanding of, of customer experience as well. Uh, sorry, candidate experience as well. Um, you know, and you, you kind of bring it all together. So I know we're, we're kind of getting to time here, so I don't want to go too much longer, but um, curious, you know, you guys' thoughts on, you know, we kind of touched upon it, but some of this new technology that's coming out, like what, what, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, how some of this AI technology, let's say with like messaging, like how, how do you think that's going to impact your strategy 
and you know how you're going to try and stay more person personalized like have, have you thought about that like what are you what are some of the impacts you think this technology is going to have and what are some of the things that you're thinking about as a team of like how can we you know get in front of this or how can we you know potentially start to use some of this technology as well great question now i'm gonna have to refer back refer back to my two words to describe my experience in recruiting always changing because this is something that's a perfect example of that because for impact a few years ago when we got onto linkedin recruiter like that in and of itself was a differentiator you know like when it was first coming of age and then a few years ago it was as simple as oh i added their name into the subject line people love to open that like it's it's always going to change and i think with the emergence of ai it just means you're going to have to continue to look at your success rates on what's working what's not so that you never grow stagnant so that's one thing from like how that affects Huge. like our personalization strategy is again you have to always be looking at that and linkedin recruiter has some great tools for like reports you can look through within your open rate within your response rate how many yeses how many no's and i think that's really valuable information that often goes underutilized but on the flip side as far as like tools we can leverage so you mentioned earlier on how like you know met personalizing messages tool like they're getting pretty decent so far i feel like i'm a little bit better at it than most of the tools out there but once they catch up that's where again it's got to always be changing but i think like a lot of roles or a lot of positions regardless of industry you can always benefit from some level of automation like utilizing ai to take out the repetitive tasks of your job is really the smartest way you can do it so you can focus more of your attention on the human elements of your job the communication aspect the personalization parts so I know something some of our team has been utilizing. It's uh, actually forgot about this till recently. It's called TextBlaze. And basically all that is, is automating anything you do text-based. Like if you send out the same type of confirmation email all the time, it'll give you like, you'll do like a two letter queue and then it'll automatically fill out the rest of that information or the information and the address, whatever it is that could just make you a little bit faster at some of those, you know, some of those like uh, messaging based things that don't require personalization something as simple as that can be leveraged yeah. and then joel you shared that you shared a tool recently the name eludes me at this time uh an ai tool that you forget exactly the functionality of it but i it seemed from your description at least i don't know if you're uh selling that yourself but it seemed <laughs> a lot more robust than much of what i see out there so that's definitely something to look into and i think this will be a very big era of curiosity for recruiters because you know some people are afraid that the ai will take our jobs but i think smart recruiters know that it's going to be a tool that you can leverage to be better at your job so it'll be you know towing the line between what's making your job easier and more effective versus what makes you more of a robot so it's something to again continue to monitor and continue to experiment see what works best you, you guys got any like go-to sources for um kind of like learning about new technology or kind of go-to sources for just upcoming trends? So we we have a great relationship with LinkedIn, which is very beneficial to us to have attended multiple of their seminars or just even like direct learning sessions with them. So that's been awesome just to have like more of a peer learning standpoint is obviously they set a lot of the trends in the recruiting landscape just because it's a tool, it's a platform that everyone's on, everyone uses. So us having a good relationship with them is obviously very beneficial. And then it's a lot of just even peer mentoring within our team as we, you know, we all work in different ways and we all have our own expertise just from a trial and error standpoint. So I think that's a good way to do it. And then 
going back to LinkedIn, LinkedIn learning has some good stuff for like tool specific training. And I think that's always helpful as well. Yeah, I love it. Michael, any, anything to add there? Yeah, I think this is like the biggest thing is uh, with AI. I think people, it's like, oh, I got to get AI, AI. I got to use it in some, one particular way. But it's like, yeah, it's it's good. It's like how Joe said to for a little quick task that it's just very repetitive. But at the end of the day, you really don't want to lose that that human side of things because the human element is definitely going to go a lot a lot more longer longer ways compared to you know any type of like you know AI um, intelligence or you know so on and so. Oh, no, we lost him. <laughs> uh, there we go. I'll put him back on. There we go. Yeah, just, we lost I him for a second there. Now. <laughs> yeah, so good. No, yeah. Just, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just like, you know, how to utilize AI to make you, you work faster as far as when it comes to repetitive tasks, just like Joe said. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, lose the human element side of things as well. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, that's that's really kind of my, my thought with it, right, is – I actually think there's going to be a big pushback, um, especially with the, I think more so with the messaging and the outreach and how you first start conversations with people. I think there is going to be a big shift to how do you, how do you get like, you know, how do you facilitate real world connection and conversation? And I think some of it is going to be with being able to, you know, hyper-personalized messages. And maybe, maybe it means that you send out less messages, but they're way more personalized. Maybe you're adding, like video into your right. um, messaging process. Maybe there, maybe you're bringing hiring managers more in there and saying, "All right, let's create some content together that we can send out throughout the recruitment process." Maybe there's like micro events. Like micro events is something which I've seen a lot more of, where it's like you have, you know, maybe it's a local tech group that gets together and you're kind of networking and you're meeting people. Um, and so I think, I think because people are are just bombarded with uh, with the messages and emails and it just seems like the volume's going up i think it, it's to your point like how do you really harness like what makes you great as a recruiter which is being human and knowing um you know what motivations people have how do you listen how do you connect with people um so it's it's going to be interesting to see and i don't think anybody i the reason i asked this question too isn't because i think anybody no one has ever answered the question and been like yes this is exactly how it's going to play out with ai <laughs> um but i always i just always I think the common thread that I do here is this desire to like remain as human as possible and like even get more human than we are now, which I guess sounds weird in, in that when you put it that way, but it's just that idea of really connecting with people. Right. Um, yeah. So I, that's why I always ask that question, but, but guys, where, where can people find out about impact networking? Where can people find out about you guys? Are you uh, LinkedIn major, major place where, where can people get a hold of you? Well, to start with impact. You can find out more about impact at impactmybiz.com. Yep, impactmybiz. Impact is a common company title. So biz is B-I-Z. So impactmybiz.com. And uh, we have a brand new website at impact. So it's super robust to find out about everything that we do in our careers page. Equally so with a culture page, uh, a diversity and inclusion, inclusion subset as well. So we have a lot of great information and content there. Otherwise, LinkedIn, you can find me there. I'm probably one of the two Joe Skirskys out there. I do have one uh, cousin, Joe Skirsky. Just look for the guy with the pink bow tie. And <laughs> I try to stay fairly That's active. That's not you, though. That's not you, though. 
Oh no, that is me. That's no, me. that is you. Okay, that's right. yeah. oh, good, good. Okay, that's, that's again. Good. That's example of me being me on LinkedIn. Is, I love that. I got a little okay. bit of myself. That's branding right there, man. You yeah, exactly. Have that. There you I love that. <laughs> yeah, with awesome. me, the same thing as well. LinkedIn. You know, big on big on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me on on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I'm more of the the sales side of things. Uh, I know Joe's on the technical side, but me, I deal with like you know account executives, sales development reps sales managers, so on and so forth. So anything when it comes to sales, um, that, that's me. Awesome. Well, guys, like I always say, go connect on LinkedIn. Always be patient as well. You know, if you're sending a message, you're looking for a job, I would just say just be patient. Uh, give, give these guys some time to respond back as well. Uh, and I'll put all of the links um, on the chat as well uh, on this live. And then, guys, as a reminder, I'm going to be going live again on Wednesday. Um, so Wednesday, right around this time, I'm going to be live with, um, another CEO of a, uh, of an up and coming company. I'm really excited about this conversation on Wednesday as well. If you want to catch any of the past episodes, you can either just go to my LinkedIn page, just hit events. You'll see all the past episodes. Uh, and I'm going to be doing some uploads here in the next couple of weeks of all of these past episodes to Spotify and iTunes. So keep on the lookout for that. Um, and then, guys, I want to give a special thank you again. Talking about AI, MetaView is the tool you need to use if you're sick of taking notes. Uh, I highly advise it. You need to just check it out. Five free uh, interviews you get, and then you got to pay. But just try it out for the five free interviews. I haven't had one person get back and say it's a bad tool. Uh, so go try that. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Uh, but we will see you guys on Wednesday. So once again, Michael, Joe, thanks so much for your time. Great to uh, have a chat with you guys. And we will see the rest of you guys on Wednesday. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. I'll end this stream.